to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? It's not going to make a lot of sense right now, but it will here in just a few minutes. We're going to preach tonight Rolling stones. Rolling stones. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord tonight in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. God, I pray that you would strengthen the bodies of your people tonight and strengthen the body. Strengthen our minds. Lord, let us find joy in your presence tonight. God, we love you and we thank you for all you have done. We thank you for all that you are doing. And God, I pray that your will would be accomplished tonight in this service. God, we're not throwing away services. We're not just going to roll over and go through motions. God, we know that we're not feeling well. We know that we're not at 100%. But, but God, we're going to push on through. We're going to push on through. God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for their willingness to live for you and, and to fight and to stand and to push and to be in church and to worship and to preach and praise. And God, I pray that you'd bless their effort tonight. God, I pray that they'd be strengthened. God, I pray that as they preach with me, God, that they would feel strength, supernatural strength, course through their body, God, that your healing virtue would flow from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. God, we pray for those who are at home sick tonight. God, I pray that your will would be done in their homes. I pray, God, that you would heal, that your spirit would be with them, God, that you would strengthen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. You can be seated tonight. Rolling stone. Luke chapter 12. And verse 49, Jesus said, I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? The New Living Translation for verse 49 says, I have come to set the world on fire. And I wish it were already burning. Verse 50 says, But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? That word straightened in verse 50 means to compress. It means to preoccupy means to hold prisoner saying I've, I've got a baptism to be baptized with most scholars believe that he's talking about his suffering there's there's something I got to do and I'm being held prisoner 
until that can happen. I'm come to send fire on the earth. There are varying opinions as to what Jesus was speaking of in these two verses. However, from a Pentecostal perspective, Jesus seems to be saying tonight that there is a fire that he would be sending. And there was a baptizing of suffering that he would be partaking in. But he wished that the fire had already been started. And he wished that he was speaking after the fact of the suffering because there was just so much that he wanted to do. He wanted to do so much more than just heal some broken bodies. He wanted to do so much more than raise a few who were physically dead. He wanted to do so much more than to tear apart the fish and to break the loaves of bread and feed multitudes with physical nourishment he's saying there is a fire that I want to send and oh I'm telling you what might happen is miraculous if it had just been started already if it was just started we wouldn't just be sitting here having a discourse but there would be a holy burning that would be taking place but I'm being held back because there's a baptism I've got to be baptized with there are some things I've got to accomplish There's a death, a burial, and a resurrection that must take place. But in 2022, the Lord, I believe, is asking, what might happen if I show up and there's already a fire burning? What might happen in our city, in our church, in our homes, in our families, if he showed up and there was somebody that was treating the coal of fire that was blowing up? little bit into the embers to get the fire started. There's a fire. I wish it was already burning. I'm held prisoner by the fact that it's not yet time. But if you could see what I want to do, if I were not locked up in the the framework of the chronos or the time as you and I know it, if you could see uh, what I see, a city four square, if you could see it, if you could see everything that I want to do, gold so pure it's transparent. If you could see the gates made of one pearl each. If you could see everything. If you could see the 1,500 miles or so. And the 1,500 miles and so this way. And the 1,500 miles that way. And 1,500 miles tall. If you could see it. Then you might know how much I'm being held back. 
If you could really see what God wants to do in and out of time, then I believe tonight that there would be a group of us that would say, okay, God, I'm going to stay here and nurture the coals. I'm going to grab the stick. I'm going to grab a rock. I'm going to grab a leaf. I'm going to grab some dried bark and some kindling, and I'm going to nurse this flame until it starts. I'm going to nurse this situation. I'm going to stay in the spirit of prayer. Let me encourage somebody tonight. I know we've been praying and we don't expect to feel dry when we've been praying. But just because it feels dry doesn't mean we ought to stop. It means we ought to start working it a little bit more. Be the instant, in season, and out of season. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, ye shall reap if you faint not. I come to encourage somebody tonight. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on showing up. Keep on putting your hand on the plow. He was held prisoner by the fact that things had not yet transpired. But trust me when I say there was a fire. That had been promised. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so Jesus is tagging in with what John the Baptist had already had revelation of. I've come to send the fire, and I wish it was already kindling. If that fire had been kindling when Jesus was walking on the earth, imagine what might have happened. He would have walked into the valley full of dry bones himself. And he'd have said, oh, dry bones, I know you can live. There's a fire that's wanting to burn inside of you. Oh, I'd say unto you, your sins be forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. But he would have baptized them, and they'd have been filled with his spirit right then and there. It would have been more than just a physical raising. It would have been more than a physical healing. There would have been a spiritual deliverance, a spiritual healing. And Mary, it's not just going to be seven devils cast out of you it's not just going to be a turning away from your old lifestyle but I would have filled you with my spirit right then and right there but it wasn't time yet and so I've got 12 men that I've got and I'm teaching them and I'm showing them and I'm trying to get them ready because when I leave they're going to be the ones that have to carry on Acts chapter 1 Verse 4, Jesus' words prior to his ascension. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which, saith he, you have heard of me. But John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. We're preaching about Rolling stones tonight. And I know it may still not make any sense, but trust me, we're going to go somewhere in the Holy Ghost tonight. God is wanting there to be a fire that is kindled in each and every one of our beings tonight. Jesus wanted to work so badly. 
It was so much more than what three and a half years of earthly ministry could contain. He said, I wish that it was already burning. I wonder tonight how badly he wants to see revival in us. I wonder what might uh, he be able to do tonight if we started kindling the fire right now. I wonder, I know that it's, it's not uh, traditional to just start working on the flame until you feel the need. We live in the days of torches and lighters and matches and only matches if you're broke and don't have a lighter. We're used to just turning the knob on the grill or pushing the button and there's the flame. Sometimes in prayer, it's not quite that simple. Sometimes in prayer, it feels like man or woman in the wilderness. They got a stick and they got a string. And they made themselves a a bow. They grab a flat piece of bark and they crush up some leaves and little sticks, twigs, grass, just real fine stuff and they lay it on that bark or they put it on a stone and then they grab another stick and they take that bow and they, they wrap it around that stick and they start going back and forth. They're just creating some friction. It takes a while. It's not quite as easy as just But I wonder if those folks, and I've, I've tried as a kid, I tried starting fires, rubbing sticks together. You're wasting your time. Let me, let me get me that lighter. But I wonder how much more satisfying it is. Anybody ever started a fire that way? Back in my day. <laughs> what was it like living without matches? I'm a magnifying glass. Listen to him. Bill Nye. I mean, we know how satisfying it is to roast ants with a magnifying glass. All the teachers on the playground. Stop doing that. Why? Bobby. But I wonder how satisfying it is. Men's camping trip, 2022. We're going to find out. Bring the butane just in case. But I wonder what might happen in prayer if, you know, I, I'll just be honest with you. Today was kind of dry for me. I said, you know what? I'm not satisfied with just dry prayer. Just crush up that dryness and just put it down at the bottom. And it took me a good 25 minutes until I started feeling it break. And in those moments when you're, when you're in prayer and it, and it doesn't feel like much, how satisfying is it when you start seeing the cracks in the wall? And you start feeling the facade crumble and you, you start entering into his presence and you, you begin, I mean, you've been trying and you've been trying sincerely, but, but he's saying, I, I wonder what might happen if you came in with a mind that even if it's dry, I'm getting through. 
Even if it feels dull, I'm busting through. I'm going to shine it up until it looks like the luster is back. I wonder tonight how badly he wants to see revival in me. I wonder what he might do if I could kindle the fire in my own spirit. And I wonder what he might do through me if I find somebody and I say, listen, there's a fire that God wants to give to that man. There's a fire that God wants to give to that woman. I know they may not know it right now. I know they may not see it right now. They may not know anything about it. But in my prayer time, I'm going to grab that. I'm going to start kindling the fire. Lord, I'm just letting you know you're going to have to work because there's some embers getting ready. And Lord, we're going we're gonna to breathe on those embers until they start to glow. And we're going to add a little more fuel to the fire until we get a flame. I wonder what God might do. Genesis 28, we find a man by the name of Jacob. His brother said, oh, Dad, you named him well. He supplanted me. Jacob's running for his life. He's leaving his home. He's traveling. He's going to, his, he's going to Haran, back to his mother's folks, Bethuel and Laban. But Jacob stops one night, a place called Luz, and he's sleeping. Jacob makes it very clear he didn't leave home with much, the clothes on his back, maybe a little satchel, the sandals on his feet. And there with nothing except a prize on his head, he lays down there and he begins to sleep. And as he sleeps, he begins to dream. And when he wakes up, he proclaims, I, 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 I've been in the presence of God. God was here and I did not know it. I had seen angels ascending and descending. And he said, surely this is the house of God. This is the gateway. I've, I've been in God's presence. And so he names the place Bethel. And so he's feeling a little buzz of spiritual excitement in, uh, at the end of chapter 28. And so in chapter 29, in, the, in uh, verse 1, we find that Jacob goes on his journey and he, he comes into the land of the people of the east and he looks and he, he beholds a well in the field and there were flocks, three flocks of sheep lying by it for out of that well they watered the flocks and a great stone was upon the well's mouth and thither where all the flocks gathered and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and they would water the sheep and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob stumbles upon them and, and he says, Hey, brethren, hey, bro, whence be ye? Where are you from? Who are you? Whose are you? And they said, Of Haran, are we? He said to them, Know you Laban, the son of Nahor? They said, Yeah, we know him. Is he well? Well, yeah, he's well. Behold, his daughter Rachel's coming right now with the sheep. He said, Lo, it's high day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together to water the sheep. 
water them anyway and, and go and feed them. Saying it's early in the day. It's, it's, it's why, why are y'all here? They say, well, we, we can't. We can't just water the sheep and then we go. Uh, we, we can't do that yet because not all the flocks are here together. And so we've we got to wait until everybody's here and we don't want anybody waiting on us. And so we show up early and so on and so forth. And we, we've got to wait until everybody's here so then they can roll the stone away and we can water the sheep and then we can leave. And Jacob said, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm just not used to living that way. He said, the way I see it, or the way he's thinking, he said, the way I, I see it is when my daddy digs a well, we can access that water anytime we want to access that water. And so when you've spent time digging the well, you can access the water any old good time you want to access the water. And so Jacob sees Rachel coming. She came with her father's sheep in verse 9. She's keeping the sheep. Came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near. And Jacob rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and he watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Why in the world, you ask, would they put a rock over the top of the well? You see, some commentaries say that stones were placed over the well, first of all, because water was scarce, and it needed to be protected from the wrong people using it because not everybody should have access to the water, apparently, is what they thought. And, and even in the Old West, you could find that people bought land, but they didn't buy the, the water rights, and so they weren't able to use the land because they hadn't bought the water and mineral rights to it. And so the stones would be placed on top of the well so the wrong people couldn't use it. And the stone might be placed on top of the well because sand would fill the well and stop the flow of water. And Maybe they put the stone on top of the well so the sheep wouldn't fall in and, and drown. And, and, and the, the stone was large enough that not just one man could come and not just one man was supposed to be able to roll the stone away. It would take two or three men to remove it. But Jacob said, I'm sorry, I just don't live that way. I'm sorry, that just doesn't compute. If I see something that I want, I've got to have it. And so Jacob sees Rachel coming and he sees how beautiful she is and he begins to, to play his heartstrings and, and he sees her father's sheep and he's, he's saying, man, this lady right here, she needs some water and, and there's no way that old little Rachel's going to be able to roll the stone away, but, but I'm here and there's water and she needs the water and the sheep need the water and, and I'm here and she can't do it, but, but I'm here. You see where we're going tonight? And she can't access it because she's not able to on her own, but I'm here. The sheep need the water, but they can't roll the stone away, but I'm here. Somebody needs a miracle, and they can't do it on their own, but I'm here. Somebody needs prayer, and they don't know how to pray, but you know, last time I checked, I'm here. Somebody needs a breakthrough, and they don't know how to do it on their own. They don't know how to access it on their own. They can't move the stone on their own. But I'm here, and I know how to pray, and I know how to believe, and I've got faith, and I'm just crazy enough to do it. So God's looking for somebody that's willing to grab a hold of the stone and move the stone out of the way. Because there's some sheep that need some water. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15 says, Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, when he heard that Moses killed a man, 
He sought to slay Moses. Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, dwelt in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Shepherds came and drove them away. You can't have that water. Bunch of girls. Well, if your daddy had had some son, he's got seven daughters. Came and they drove them away. But Moses, something inside of Moses, the same kind of attitude that rose up when he saw those taskmasters beating those Hebrews, people that couldn't defend themselves, and he's feeling the same thing. You got to understand the priest of Midian's name is Jethro, he's got seven daughters. Zipporah is one of them. And these shepherds would come and they would run these ladies off. And Moses is sitting by the well today and he said, you know what? I'm just not going to put up with that anymore. You're not going to do that around me. You're not going to do that as long as I'm sitting here. And I don't know how many shepherds there were, but there was one Moses. And one Moses stood up against the crowd. He said, you know what? You're not going to do that around here. This, these ladies need some water. These flocks need some water. And I'm tired of you beating up on them. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you chasing them off. I'm tired of you scaring them off. And so the Bible says that Moses goes to their defense. And the same spirit that had risen up in Moses to slay the Egyptian rises up within him again. And he stands up and he helps them and he waters their flocks. You see, tonight there seems to be a common thread within people who are going to be used by God. They care first and foremost about injustices and they want to see the sheep watered. Moses said, you know what? You're not going to beat up on the innocent while I'm here. You know what, devil? I'm tired of you messing with God's children. You know what, Satan? I'm tired of you trying to get them to live beneath their means. I'm ready to beat that spirit back. Oh, like the old, like the old redneck said, I'm about to beat the brakes off you, boy. I'm tired of seeing people live beneath their spiritual means. I'm tired of seeing them beat up. I'm tired of seeing them drunk down. I'm tired of seeing them starving. I'm tired to see them thirsty. God's looking for somebody to roll away the stone. God's looking for people that'll say, you know what, I'm going to pray until this breaks. This person needs something from God. They need a breakthrough. They need to experience a, a well of living water. And I'm going to pray until this stone moves. I'm going to pray until the foundations shake. I'm going to pray until things begin to change. I'm going to pray until my city begins to change. I'm going to pray until we start seeing some souls in. And then I'm going to pray until they're discipled. I'm going to pray until their family members come in. God's looking for some folks that'll roll some stones away. God's looking for some people that'll say, you're not going to treat that one like that while I'm here. That's God's child. God's got a plan for that one. You're not going to do that as long as I'm here. You're not going to plague their minds like that as long as I've got anything to say about it. You're not going to plague their life like that. You're not going to provoke them. You're not going to grieve them sore as long as i got a breath in my body and as long as i got a prayer upon my lips. 
There were sheep that needed watered. Later in his life, we find Moses in a similar situation. When life in the wilderness gets rough. Exodus 17 and verse 3. The people thirsted there for water. People murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this? Thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst. Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They're almost ready to stone him. We're not talking about those kind of stones. Moses, not seeing a rock that he could move or a well that is, just needs a little bit of defense in order to access the water. He starts turning back to the one who he knows is big enough to solve the issue. He grabs hold of the one thing, the one person he knows that can help. The one thing that he knows will make a difference, and that's prayer. And in doing so, he's grabbing hold of a spiritual stone. He's grabbing hold of a, an invisible obstacle. He can't grab hold of those folks' minds. He cannot make them believe. He cannot convince them with words. He cannot talk them out of their doubt. He cannot reason them into revival. But he begins to pray. And he begins to call upon the same God that spoke to him from a burning bush. And he said, God, what am I supposed to do now? They're ready to kill me. They're ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel and take your rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in your hand and go. He said the elders are getting ready to be eyewitnesses to the miracle that they can share their testimony, that they can tell the greatness of God and the hand of God upon Moses to an unbelieving people. And he said in verse 6 Moses, I need you to understand that like I met with Jacob at Bethel and as Jacob went in the strength of a spiritual encounter, he said you go out and I'm going to meet you on top of a rock. You're going to see the cloudy pillar descend and we're getting ready to have a showdown with out. We're getting ready to have a showdown with unbelief. We're getting ready to have a showdown with fear. And you get ready, Moses, and you get that rod. You get the tool of the miraculous. You get that rod in your hand that you've watched me work through before. You didn't think it could become a snake, but it became a serpent. You didn't think the Nile would turn to blood, but you smote it and it did. You didn't think the dust would become flies and lice and so on, but it did. And Moses, you take the tool that I've used in your hand before and you come out and you meet with me let me preach to you man of God he's used your prayer before you grab hold of your prayer on a Wednesday night I said he's used your prayer before you grab hold of your prayer on a Wednesday night mama he's used your prayer before you grab hold of your prayer and you go meet with God He's used your testimony before. You grab your testimony and you go meet with God. God said, you come out and you meet with me. 
You've communed with me in private. Come meet with me in public. And bring your instrument of faith with you. I'll meet you at the rock. There's water in the rock. You get those elders. You get the representatives of the congregation. You bring them to the rock. I said, there's a miracle in the rock, but Moses, you got to get them there. I'll help you split the rock. I'll help the water, but you got to get them there. And you get them there, Moses, and then you smite the rock, and you let me do the rest. Moses, you're rolling stones. That's what you're doing. You're being the breacher of gaps. That's what you're doing. you got to meet me at the rock. Come have an encounter with me. The Bible says that Moses does so. Water flows from the rock enough to water millions of people plus their cattle and it followed them through the wilderness. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10 and verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the facts how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. We're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, in the spirit and in the water. Did all eat the same spiritual meat? Did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He said, I know that it looked like just a normal stone. It looked like just a normal rock out at Horeb. You can read the commentary on it. They're not even sure where the rock was. They're not even, they can't even find it to label it. But that rock was Christ. You and I have access to the same thing they had access to. I just don't know if I got what it takes, Pastor. Do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? And does he have you? He's looking for a people that will grab hold of stones and start moving them because somebody needs a miracle. Somebody needs a touch from God. Got a call. My wife got a call or a message from a, a kid city parent. She said, I'm opening a new business. Would pastor come and pray for my new business? Yes. Pastor will come and pray. I'm meeting her at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning because she's starting a CPA and tax professional business. God's opening all. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just planning on praying for her business. But I got Jesus. And so tomorrow, if she gets the Holy Ghost in her tax office, and she's she going to get the Holy Ghost wherever. God's moving. God's working. And I got to be willing to go and grab hold of the stone to move it out of the way because they have got to get to where the miracle can happen. They got to get to the well. They got to get to the water. I know the rock might look heavy. I know it might look cumbersome. But I'm going to grab hold of it in prayer. I'm going to grab hold of it in fasting. I got to move the stone out of the way. 
I got to grab hold of the rock that is Christ. I got to grab hold of the altar. Maybe I should have saved this for Sunday night. Maybe we'd like this kind of preaching on Sunday night. I got to get the whole of that stone and I got to move it out of the way. Mark chapter 15 and verse 44, Pilate marveled if he were already dead, he being Jesus, calling him unto him the centurion. He asked him whether he had been dead any while. When he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph of Arimathea. He bought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in the linen, laid him in the sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock, and rolled a stone under the door of the sepulcher. You see, Jesus said, there's a fire that I want to be burning and will be burning. I wish it was already burning. But there's a baptism of suffering that's lying between me and the fire. And so they took the rock, which was Christ, and put him in a sepulcher behind a rock. And in Matthew 27 and verse 62, now the next day that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I'll rise again. We just now thought of it. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he's risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you've got to watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. Not a watch. They gave him a group of soldiers. To go and make sure that it's secure. As secure as you can make it. So they went and they made the sepulcher sure. They took that stone, they got it in nice and tight. They got some wax. They melted that wax down, a whole slew of it, and they started pouring it over that stone. And as that wax was starting to harden, they grabbed the signet of a centurion or a Roman, uh, a Roman official, and they used that signet ring, and they put a stamp in that. Then they said, hey, listen, this thing's been sealed by Rome. You can't break it for fear of death. And we're going to put a guard on the outside of the stone. It's not going to be able to be moved. In so much, as I'm closing and the musicians are coming, in so much that the ladies that came to anoint his body as it dawned toward the first day of the week, are walking toward the garden tomb. And they're saying, Elder, who's going to move the stone? We've got to get inside. Who's going to move the stone so we can get to Jesus? The rock had been put behind a rock. 
They said among themselves in Mark 16, verse 3, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Let me preach to you tonight that there are some folks, I believe, with all of my heart. I know you may not feel like it right now because we're praying, and hell wants us to stop praying. So because he can't literally take my voice, he wants to shut down my faith. So he's going to say, you know what? You've been at church praying. Why don't you look around and see all these empty chairs? How good's your prayer? Come on. How good is your prayer? Preach. It's just January 12th. How good is your prayer? It's supposed to be. What? So he does things like that and starts picking. But I believe that there are some folks in our city who's God, who God is preparing their hearts. You know what we're doing in prayer? You know what we're doing tonight? We're grabbing hold of that stone. And we're saying, listen, I know you got to get to what's on the inside. And God's looking for a people that'll say, listen, I need somebody to grab hold of the stone. I'll do it. I'll grab hold of the stone. I'll pray an extra 15. I'll pray an extra 20. I'll pray an extra 30. I'll pray an extra hour. I want to move that rock out of the way. There's somebody that's got a stone in their path. I know it may look daunting. You say, I don't know if I can do it by myself. Oh, I know that there are stones like that out there. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that gave the increase. I grabbed hold of the stone and gave it a good shove, but it didn't quite get there. Apollos grabbed it and pushed it a little bit further, but then along came the rock. Along came Jesus and grabbed hold of the stone and said, this person needs a miracle. They need salvation. You and I have got more power in our prayer than what our... Minds think right now. Faith sucks you down to that chair. You believed before. God's searching for a willing people. He's searching for a people who are willing to have an encounter with him. Notice, Jacob had an encounter with God. Short time later, he's moving stones. Moses has an encounter with God. He's moving stones. He's got an encounter with God in Egypt. He's, he feels his person. He feels his identity pop out to the surface, and it causes him to have to run for his life. He's moving stones for the Midianite priest's daughters. He has an encounter with God in Exodus 17. God said, okay, Moses, meet with me, and we'll make some things flow. I wonder what might happen if, if God would, would look down at us and he would see that, that we are a people who are willing to grab hold of some stones and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray until I feel the stone shift. I'm going to pray until I feel it move. God, I'm going to pray this thing into existence. I'm not going to get weary in well-doing. I know it's January 12th, but on January 13th, I'm still showing up to pray. On the 14th, I'm still showing up to 
to pray. I'm not going to let hell pick at my brain. I'm not going to let hell pick at my brother's brain or at my wife's mind or at my sister's mind. I'm going to pray until it breaks. I'm going to pray until it breaks. And I'm going to keep praying so the water will keep flowing. I wonder if I've got anybody here tonight that will say, you know what? I want to roll some stones out of the way for somebody in my city. I want to roll the stone out of the way for somebody in my family. I want to grab hold of the stone. I want to grab hold of the rock and say, God, I want you to move. What shall we do in the name of Jesus?